Daniel 4 and verse 15 is our first verse. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. And then verse 23. Whereas, and whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let its portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. Verse 26, and whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, Thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Leave the stump three times in three verses of Daniel 4, verses 15, 23 and 26. Now we have looked at uh, quite a lot over the last two weeks. We want to move on almost entirely from where we were last week. We don't want to do any recap to take up too much time. But Nebuchadnezzar is warned in a dream of something that's going to happen. There's a tree is going to be cut down. And Daniel is brought in and he interprets the dream. And that's what we're reading here. And he's interpreting the dream. We looked at how seven times we'd pass over. Nebuchadnezzar was the tree. The man, Nebuchadnezzar, was the tree. And when we thought of it, how Nebuchadnezzar actually had said that he himself had built everything, took the glory for himself, didn't listen to the, the vision or the, the dream of the Lord. And because he didn't do that, then he had a year of repentance to get himself right. He didn't do that and the Lord cut him down. And the wonderful thing it is, is that, that this is a heathen king, but God was using him for his own glory because there would be the kingdoms that would come down uh, after this throughout the years. And of course, we'd then fully earth the Babylonian system would have to fill the earth and it would eventually show God's glory in the earth, which is our day today. So Babylon, as we know, is everywhere. It's in monetary system. It's in the, uh, it's in the banking system. You know, it's in all of those things. It's in the military system of, and the, 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 the governmental systems of the world. And so whenever we see this, what we are seeing is the Lord's, why did he not just uh, wipe out a heathen king? God's merciful, but yet God was using even the heathen for his glory. Because then he would have, of course, the, uh, Israel and Israel nations would come out of that. Out of, out, out of the, the Judah here would come the Lord Jesus Christ, who are the captives of Babylon. And of course, whenever they brought out of it, Jesus comes, he dies for us. And now we're at the end times when this system is around the world. And you and I who are saved are in the kingdom of God. You see, in Daniel chapter 2, we had Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and there was a man with a head of gold and his arms and chest of silver and his belly of brass and his legs of iron hanging down to his feet of iron and clay. Now, that's something to do. That's prophecy and that speaks of a time, a lot of time where Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, here's the interpretation of the dream, Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. You're this head of gold. And then we come off that an inferior kingdom, which would be the Medo-Persians. And the Medo-Persian kingdom would be not just an inferior kingdom, but would be allowed to overtake that Babylonian kingdom. But that whole system would run right through time. 
So God had to preserve a man like Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had to realize everything he had was not of his own, but all given by God. That every gift is given, and that's something that we had to look at and learn. And that pride in our lives and in our hearts must be checked by the Lord too. And when he says, Art the head of gold, then would come the Medo-Persian kingdom, the silver with the two kings, the Medes and the Persians, from around that same area. And then would come the brass and then the iron kingdoms, which would be, Nebu- uh, pardon me, would be Alexander the Great, which would be the bronze or brass kingdom. Then the iron kingdom would be the pagan Roman Empire. And we could go on into where the European Union is today. And so whenever we look at this, we see God's glory. Notice, why show mercy to a heathen, the ungodly? Well, here's one thing to think of. Why show mercy to you? Why show mercy to me? And there's things that happen in our lives. The Lord says, you're going to be cut down to a stump. The tree will be cut to a stump. And he puts things into place. We'll look at it, God willing, in a moment. And he says, you'll be cut down to a stump. And Nebuchadnezzar, seven times, seven years passed over him. And he became, as it were, mad. And he had grass like a, a cattle. And he, his hair grew and matted like feathers. And he grew claws. And his nails went so long. And so on and so on. And it's happened for seven years. And when we read the very uh, last verse that we read there in verse 26, notice what it says, And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. Notice here even Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning. And you see, whenever things happen in our lives and we're, as it were, this tree stump in the ground, Some people have lost everything. Some people have lost health. Some people have lost mind. Some people have lost uh, finances. Some people have lost family. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people have lost everything. And you think it's over and you're done with it. Some people have lost their walk with God. And, and, And if there's at all any life where there's a tree stump there, as it were, mercy has found you. And where there's life, there's hope. Where there's life, there's hope. We read Job, and we'll just read a couple of verses here just to let you know where we finished last week. For us. for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down, that it will spread again. And the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof wax old in the earth, the stalk thereof die on the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and will bring forth boughs like a plant. In other words, where there's life, there's hope where the water touches so, Christians, sometimes in our own personal lives and walk, whether it's our own fault or not. You see, the ungodly are judged. God's people aren't judged. They're chastened. They're chastened, but they're not judged. And what we have to realize is no matter what assails us and comes into our lives, as believers, then allow the chastening to work if it's chastening. I sat this morning and was thinking of a few things. And my own life, my own walk, from past even to present. And when things of our disappointments have had came and, and times of, of severe mourning and loss of a, a, almost an entire family in a year and all of those things and darkness uh, 
clouded around me and all of those times of happening when illness came upon me when I was, didn't know when it was going to end. I couldn't see the, 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 the light at the end of this and I didn't know, where are you, Lord? I didn't know where he was, if he was even with me anymore. Ostracized from people who didn't want me in their fellowship anymore. Who didn't want me preaching with them anymore. Many times of different things and yet at this place point in time you realize you're just cut down to the stump. You're not the tree anymore. You're cut down to the stump and when you're there you don't know how you're going to get through it, how you're going to get over it, if you're going to work at all. Has the Lord forgiven you? Has the Lord fell out with you? All these things go through our minds where we have went wrong and it's always good to examine ourselves but yet always know that he loves you because you're his child. He's not finished with you, child of God. You see, when you're the stump, the difference is where the water is, the river reaches. Where the water that he sends forth, the spirit touches, it will cause life to grow again. You see, no matter where you are, what condition you are in, where there's life, there's hope. And God can bless again. I know people have fallen in ministry. God can bless you again. People have went through it hard and given up and walked away. You know, you might feel the stump. God can use you again, brother, sister. God can raise you up again. God's not finished with you yet. And even here to this heathen king, he knew God knows the, the end from the beginning. Do you know that? When you can't see through the other side of this and you can't see how you're going to get out the other end of this, God already is there. You know what he's doing? He's just waiting and you catching up. You're traversing it. You're going through the travail of it. But he's with you in it and he's just waiting and you catching up. The blessing's already there. He's already there. And so when we're in our times of need and he seems so far away, listen, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or the age. And so he cannot lie. His word will not return unto him void. But everything he says to us is true. And so we can rely and trust in him. Notice, even from the end, he knew, from the beginning, he knew the end of it. And whatever you're in, God already knows the end product. He knows the end of it. So I was thinking this morning about different things. I was thinking about times I've went through myself and the darkness of it and the the hurt of it and the mourning in it and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, even doctors, I was talking to someone during the week and we were talking about different things. They said, yeah, at one time they didn't know what was wrong with me and I wasn't well. I was being hammered on every side and ended up the, the, the hospitals, that they, they decide they're going to do cancer tests with me. And, you know, all those thoughts go through your mind. And I just kept saying, Lord... My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Every moment, every time, every season is in the hand of the Lord. Sometimes, whether it's our strength is gone, our mental health is gone, our finances and all of the things that we hold so much and that assail us when we haven't got it. Seems like the tree has been cut down to a stump. Cut down to a stump. Where there's life, brother, where there's life, sister, there is hope. There is hope. Notice in Psalm 1, if you'll turn with me, please. 
Psalm 1. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now notice that the clenching, if you do those things, if you allow your life to go those things, notice that the clenching, you're coming down as it were yourself, placing yourself in places sometimes, which isn't good. And if you don't do these things, you're blessed. (laughs) Blessed is the man that walketh not. Notice you're walking. Notice. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then all of a sudden you're stopping, you're standing. Isn't it? Standing in the way of sinners. And the next one is you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. So there's those who do that and aren't blessed and they're cut down to size. In other words, it comes and assails them. They come, as it were, like the tree stump. But those who don't walk, don't stand, and don't sit with the ungodly and the sinners and the scornful, they're blessed. God blesses that. Notice this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So here we're starting to find out where is our strength and where is our hope. It's in the word of God. But notice verse 3, he, she, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you know the best way to find prosperity? I'm not talking about these jet airplanes and all that sort of stuff. Now. I'm talking about prospering in the Lord. Prospering in the Word. Prospering in the Spirit of God. Prospering in life and in your walk with Him. Not worried about being cut down as a tree. Because sometimes the best place you could be is as a tree stump. You know why? Because when God starts to prosper us, our head starts to blow up like the tree blows out. And God brings us back down to sides again. It's thinking this morning and it says, Lord, I want to thank you for every single time I have went wayward. Or every single time I have not obeyed you but disobeyed you. I want to thank you that every single time that I've went wrong or I've went cold or I've been indifferent, I want to thank you, Lord, every single time that you've come and you've chastened me sore and brought me like a tree stump at times. Because there... You're able to deal with me and bring me back into the way again. You thank the Lord whenever you are being chastened of the Lord. I was talking to someone this week as well. And they said this to me about this happening and another thing. And all these sort of things were happening. And as I was going through the conversation with them. They felt they were letting the Lord down. And they felt that the things that they, you know, the things that they were thinking or doing or acting, don't want to go into it too much. They felt we're, well, I'm letting the Lord down. Yes, at times we do let the Lord down, and all the time we're failing Him. All of us do. But while they were thinking this, I says, you know what I give thanks to God for? That your conviction of heart, because they felt bad. I thank the Lord that you're still convicted of these things. Because if there's no conviction in the heart, there's no Holy Ghost. Proof of being a child of God is when we fall, that when we fail and when we falter is that we realize it 
and whether we get on our knees and become a stump in order that God would lift us up again, we find that when we feel that and sense that, that that's the spirit of the Lord saying, you're wrong, child. Now, if you weren't a child of God, I said, you wouldn't even think like that. You'd have no conviction. You wouldn't worry about it. You'd sin with importunity, and it wouldn't cost you anything. But because there's conviction, then repent of it and move on with God. Thank the Lord that he has shown you the error of the way. So you'd be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Notice verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That doesn't mean to say they won't stand in judgment. That means they will not be able to stand. They have no cause or case. They'll have no case to bring before God. They're guilty. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So notice here, the tree planted by waters will flourish and it will bring forth fruit and prosper. Jeremiah, please. Chapter 17, Jeremiah 17. And just a couple of verses. Verse 7, please. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. Notice, blessed is the man who trusteth, that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And what will he be like in verse 8? For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. There's blessing. And how do we, how do we act as these trees? Well, what you do is uh, you're blessed and you're prospering in the Lord when you're in his word and whenever you're open and ready and willing and receiving his word through the Spirit's leading and guiding. You're drinking in and you start to grow. The stump will grow again, brothers and sisters. The stump of, of stunted, stumpy faith will grow again. Maybe you're going through a barren time, a time of dryness, a, ti- a time when your faith is, is yay high. You felt you were soaring like an eagle and now you're like the stump of the ground and you're bearing no fruit seemingly and there's nothing happening. Listen, brothers and sisters, whenever you sit and wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, saith Isaiah. So notice this. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose roots are by waters. So where there's life, there's hope. And not only that, you'll bring forth and bear fruit. So when we look at Daniel 4, we find mercy. You know what mercy is? When you do not receive that which you do deserve, when you do not receive that which you do deserve. In other words, uh, this man Nebuchadnezzar, this heathen king who worshipped all other gods, he deserved everything he got in the eyes of God, that is. He was guilty. He was a sinner. He was an idolater. He was a heathen man. He was, wasn't in co- uh, a covenant relationship with Yahweh. He deserved it. And God is over all. He's saying, look, I am God. He deserved it. 
See the man here you're listening to this morning? The Lord had allowed me to go to a devil's hell or a lake of fire. I deserved it. Mercy found me. I did not receive that which I did deserve. I did not receive that which I did deserve. And you're the same. Mercy found you. You did not receive that which you deserved. We all deserve to be lost, to be left. We all deserve to be in a lake of fire at the end, time judgment. We, we all deserved it. Adam's race and Adam's fall, Adam's death came into our own genes. We all deserved it. But mercy found us, brothers and sisters. And we will not receive, we have not received, and we will never receive that which we do deserve. See, God is always merciful. And he says here, leave the stump. You know what that tells me? It tells me God's not done with you. The God of the second chance, the million chances, is not finished with you yet. So Daniel chapter 4 and verse 15, it says these words. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and of brass. Notice that. It's not a strange thing. A band of iron and brass. So not only is he finding mercy, but now God is already, he's putting something into place in the meantime. Through this season, in other words. God's showing his hand in it. Would you say in the meantime? meantime. Through this season. season. God has his hand on this. this. Notice here he's saying, in the meantime or through the season, God has his hand on it. He says, nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and of brass. Now, we can look at this in a couple of different, a few different ways. Let me just briefly, quickly put some things out there for you. Remember Daniel chapter 2, there's the kingdoms. Head of gold, silver, brass, iron. This is just the thought for you. He's the head of gold. The next that would come to his grandson, Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar's feast. Darius would take over. Cyrus would take with Darius. One would rise above another, and that's in prophecy. And that's the two arms, the Medes and the Persians. But yet the silver isn't mentioned here. You see, they're all in the same location and area there. Those armies that would come against one another. But the brass, on prophecy-wise, is outside of that. It was in Greece. It's the first, if you want, European side to take it on. And further than that, you have the iron, which was Rome. Is uh, uh, is it alluded here that, uh, that outside of the homelands around where Nebuchadnezzar lived, where the Medes and the Persians would come from, or Iran and Iraq area would be today. That's where they're all from. Could it be that the Lord is looking out and saying, you know, here in prophecy scale, you're also going to have a, 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 a two nations that will come outside to overrule the place in later years. Bronze or brass and iron. And here's the thing. I was actually just sitting... It must have been, I don't know, seven this morning maybe, and I was sitting reading this and just thinking about it. And here's what I was thinking about. It's just a thought. Since the Medo-Persians and the the Babylonian kingdom were all close and they warred and then one took over the next and then 
you know, I'm thinking of yours opposite way. Then you have the, the Grecian Empire and then the Roman Empire that would come over. And since all of that, I was just thinking about it how it is strange that he didn't mention that, the Silver Empire of the Medes and Persians, yet away out there, away later in years, hundreds of years, these metals are made known. Not only in Daniel 2, but they're made known in Daniel 4. And then they're mentioned again in Daniel 7. Only they're not metals. Metal through things, but they're not metals. And here's what I was thinking this morning, just pondering over it. Isn't it strange that when we're in our home, life, area, society, area where we live, it's a strange that it's bad enough where there's infighting there and warring goes on there. And yet, outside, you think, this doesn't happen outside. I had somebody, and I don't want to offend this person, but I'm saying this in a proper sense. I had somebody mention to me a while back about, you know, how they'd been treated in church. Um, and really, you know, that wouldn't happen in the world. And I says, "Well, look, let's put it like this." And there was just there was there was just someone, and maybe the the word there weren't. I'll not go into it. But I says, "Let's put it like this." When you were in churches, I says, "Have you ever had someone dig in the nose?" <laughs> I've nearly had one or two dig me in the nose. No. I said, have you ever had anyone in church go and steal from you? Well, no. What about anyone take you outside and give you a good kicking? He says, no. I says, but have you done it in the world? And I went, well, you have. I says, because it's not expected in the home. It's not expected in the church. It's not expected when it's close to us. And it shouldn't be, don't get me wrong. But the idea of it is, is we, while we should be loving one another, we have to understand that all are human, all have our traits and faults and characters. And here, even in Babylonian times, well, we don't expect it to be so close to us. But it happens. And you know what happens? It makes us feel like the stump because those close to you know how to hurt you the most, isn't that right? Your family is the hardest to reach, isn't it, for the gospel? And yet they're the ones who can hurt you the most as well whenever they turn on you. Because they know you so well. Because they love. And, and sometimes uh, the love that, that we're supposed to have, not only in family, but the love in the church family, can be so hurtful. It's because not only is it unexpected, because it shouldn't happen, but because... With the love of Christ, we love so much, so we hurt so much. But outside, we don't expect it as much. But yet those kingdoms would come and totally devastate the whole area. So about seven o'clock this morning, I'm sitting thinking of this. Shows you what way my mind works, doesn't it? Can you see? Here is the brass and the iron band around this tree. Here's what it shows. That no matter where you are, no matter what your family life is, no matter what your work life, your society life, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what is going on in your personal life, no matter how you feel or think or whatever way you find condition you're in, you're like the stump this morning. And we could all give our own ideas of where we have been and how we have been there and we've been like the stump, spiritually like the stump. 
in our health like the stump. You know, cut down without hope. Listen, he says, put the iron and brass ring around. It shows, one, God's sovereignty in your life. It shows God's sovereignty to Nebuchadnezzar that you only have because I give it to you. But it shows God's sovereignty to Nebuchadnezzar that other kingdoms would come. And there's nothing he can do about it. And it senses us trying to worry and trying to change that which we can't. But rather we need to learn, even if we don't like it, to yield to the Spirit, to bow the knee to the sovereign will of God. And you know what happens? Our life is far better. We're at peace with God. It shows us God's sovereignty in binding and loosing. Bind it with a ring of brass and iron. God calls the binding. And then later he says, loose it. There's things in our lives that God binds. And there's times where we feel that binding and that binding. And then he says, loose it. Sometimes in your prayer life, you don't get what you want. Well, then thank God for it. Don't be annoyed at him. Don't be disappointed at him. Say, well, you're the sovereign Lord. You know what I need. Maybe you've bound this situation in me for a reason. Listen, I've been praying about something for me. And it's getting worse instead of better. And I'm going, Lord, What's happening here? And yet part of me has to say, well, you're sovereign. And yield myself to that. Notice, it not only shows God's sovereignty and binding and loosing, it was actually to protect the tree from being plucked up as useless. For what they would have done was they went along, there's any tree roots or tree stumps for plowing the field, they pulled them right out. Isn't it marvelous that at this time God puts a mark, as it were, of the iron and the brass on you and he binds you and he says, listen, outside influences, listen, devil, thus far, no further. See that one there? They may feel like a stump, but they're mine. He's mine. She's mine. In our weakest of moments, when we feel so unworthy, can't carry on, we won't get on with this and we're never going to overcome. Listen, brothers and sisters, when God has his hand on you, there's nothing's going to uproot you out of his hand. Nothing. Thirdly, it would show that only God gives that freedom. For example, read Mark 5 and you go home, the mad man of Gadara was bound in the caves and he was chained with fetters with irons and he kept breaking them, but they kept putting them in. And the man wasn't only chained with irons that man put on him, but he was also chained in his own mind. He was chained by, chained by another spirit. He was bound by it. But when Christ stood on the shore that day, that man was released. It was time for God to say, take away the chains. Not only the visible iron chains, take away the chains of the devil that has bound this man for too long. And that man was found sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And then, fourthly, it was to stop the tree from being destroyed by elements or from growing. No, from elements that may, uh, some writers say, the, the tree, um, we don't know what, I was asked last week what sort of tree this is. 
And I go, I don't know, we're not told. But this tree was to grow again. And the idea was that some of them says they put it in to stop it expanding and splitting where it wouldn't break up. You ever think sometimes God in your time in your season, in your period, allows a band around you, as it were, that he has ordained, not only for it to protect you, but to stop you from breaking up altogether. It also was to stop it from growing when growing time wasn't ripe. There's nothing as bad as running ahead of God, and it's not the time. I've done it. I want this. And we push for it. And we kick the doors open for it. We want it. We want it. We want it. And we get it. And it's not the time. And it collapses around us. And it falls to bits. And we realize we're devastated. God says, put it round. When, it, when it's time to grow it, I'll grow it. And this was all prophetical about the kingdom. So, I want to round this up and finish this off for you here's some scriptures to try and encourage you and by the way do you remember John the Baptist came and he was speaking to the Pharisees you know what he says to the Pharisees the axe is laid onto the root of the trees do you know why Judaism was finished Christ would come and pay the debt sacrifice of Christ is the final lamb sacrifice forever there's no papal mass here. And there's no Judaism temple worship here. It's finished. John the Baptist came and says, of Christ coming, says the axe has led onto the root of the tree. Speaking of that worship, it'll be just taken right out. There was no bands put on it here. It's going to come out. Notice this. You can write these down, and sure we're going you can read them when you go home. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. And I'm just going to read one or two out. And then that's me finished. Hebrews chapter 12 please. And verse 5. And ye have forsaken the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For the Lord loveth whom he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Sometimes we think, Lord, you mustn't love me. Listen, he loves you at all times. Notice, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. He says, you're an illegitimate child. If, if you're not being chastened by the Lord at times, and in that chastening, what do we do? Furthermore, notice what he says, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live for verily, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. For no chastening for the present seemeth to be joy, joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward. We say afterward. Yeah. 
What does that mean? It means there's, a, there's an afterward from where you are. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What are we to do? Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm going through a rough time of it. Lord, I'm going to praise you. A dry time of it. I'm still going to praise you. A worrying time, an anxious time. I'll praise you, Lord. I'm cut down to size. I'll praise you. Lord, you're chastening me because I've done wrong, but I'm still going to praise you because I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I will praise thee. Your praise shall continuously be in my mouth. Notice Proverbs 3 and verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord. At all times. We looked at it last week. I think it was the week before. Trust in the Lord at all times. Eh? And then when we go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 20, it was to say, all things work together for good. How does, how does God work together for the good when you're burying a loved one? And your heart's broken. If you've buried a, a real close loved one, like a parent or a child even, and God forbid it. Or, or, or a sibling or a spouse or whatever. And, and, and you're looking at this and you're sort of thinking about these things. And, and, and someone comes with Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And all things God works together for good. How do you do this, Lord? How can you work the, for the good in this? It may not be for what we want at the time. So say it, I've been there, brothers and sisters. May not be for that time, for what we think or want. But he always brings something good. Every time. He wakens the dead in spirit sometimes when they realize they, uh, their mortal coil will soon fall off them. At some point they'll arrive in the grave and they'll enter the veil of death and they'll stand before God and, and, and he can wake in the mouth of He can do a million things that I don't know how he does it. And all things God works together for the good. And it's to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. You and I can see the good eventually in all things. So in Psalm 46 and verse 10 he says, be still and know that I am God. That is, look, you need to leave this with me. There's a word for you this morning. He says, leave it with me. Leave it with me. Uh, Pastor, you don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. I know quite a lot, but I don't need to know everything. He says, leave it with me. Listen, brothers and sisters. When he says, leave the stump, and he told him and and that's just going, this is my last verse. Daniel 4, verse 26. Whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. Notice he says, this is going to happen seven years, but your kingdom is going to be sure. How are you going to work together for the good in this? I don't know, but he's going to do it. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. 
Notice what verse 37 says at the end of the chapter. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his way is judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You know why Nebuchadnezzar could say that? Because he's just come through it. See, it's different when you have empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is when we can enter into someone's feelings and hurts and mourning, or you know, we can draw alongside them, try and be a help. But we haven't actually, uh, we haven't actually experienced that. That sympathy is when we, we can come alongside and be a help, and please be sympathetic with people that need it. But empathy is, is we have been there, we have walked that path, we have been in those shoes, and we can enter right into their hurt. We can enter right into their worries and their stresses. We can enter right into their feelings. And, and, and listen, whenever I was first saved, there was a woman came to me and says, please come and see my son. I knew nothing hardly of the scripture, but she knew that I'd been delivered from alcohol and drugs. And I was, at a, I was doing uh, security in a wee tiny caravan that held about four people in a field in East Belfast while we were having big tent missions 20-something years ago. And I was the security man and I was being pelted with bricks and bottles and stones every night. And there I was, green as grass. All I knew was I wanted to serve the Lord. Saved and delivered and rescued. And this woman comes out of one of the streets. Please come and see my son. I've heard that you were an addict. And I said, I was. And I walked up into this bedroom and there's this young man sitting there in the end of the bed, distraught. And I said, what's wrong with you? And he says, it's the drugs. And he says, I feel like I want to kill myself. And he started talking how he was feeling. And I just started speaking from my own well of the experience that I had. And he said to me, it's like you're in my head. You're in my head. He says, it's like, you know everything I've done and where I've been and the things I've got up to. He says, only you weren't there. How is this? I said, because I was there. I used to be like you. Empathize with them. Young love was rescued from the clutches of death. Brothers and sisters, listen, see what you're going through. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired thee that he may sift thee as we, but I've prayed for thee. I want the pastors to pray for you. That's good. That's okay. I want your Christian friends to pray for you. And I'm, I'm pleased we will. We'll do that. But he's praying for you. I have prayed for thee, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The Lord says to Peter, when you've converted means he was already Christ. So man, when you've come through this, strengthen your brethren. And he denied the Lord three times that night. Thought he was a stump and there's no return. And Christ came to him on the shores of Galilee, the risen Christ. And he said to him, I have let me down. He didn't say such words. And nothing of the lack of it. You know what he said? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter became that apostle. Brothers and sisters, God said, leave a stump. And you may feel like that stump, but listen, you're going to blossom and bloom. You allow the Lord to work on you. Don't give up and don't give in. There's a protecting hand on you. There's a ring of brass and iron, as it were. There's a protecting hand on you. And no matter what the hurt is in or out, or wherever it may be, God says, you leave it with me. I'm the one who binds and looses in the right time. You're going to grow. The water's there for you to drink from. There's hope, there's life, and you're going to bear fruit again. You're going to grow up in the faith again. May God bless his word to you this morning. For Jesus' sake, amen.